the permission to be me was like, like, oh, I love interacting with this. Like, you are so different than you were before you came out. And people were drawn to it. People today are drawn to it. And it's like, yeah, because joy, oh, contagious. Contagious. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. Hi, Sandy. I'm so excited to be here talking to you today and have you um, again as a guest on, on the podcast. So welcome. Welcome back. Hello, Chelsea. It's so good to be back. Yeah, I'm so excited for our talk today. Yeah, I feel really privileged and lucky to get to talk to you. So I just wanted to start off, you know, asking if you could talk a little bit about the process of just becoming Sandy and kind of what that looks like, you know, mentally, emotionally, you know, getting ready as Sandy, what what that looks like for you. Yeah. You mean like the daily process of like what happens to get to this point? Yeah. Yeah. The daily process. (laughs) Well, it's a long process. (laughs) It's definitely not a short one. Um, It takes a couple hours, but it's usually, it's like, knowing you're going to hike the mountain and like getting started is probably the hardest point where I'll put that off and I'll be like, I'll get, I'll get ready in a little bit because it's like, Oh God, I know I'm going to have to spend like hours at this. But then once I start, it is just um, the one area that like I'm in the zone. People talk about like getting into flow state. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what that is. Like, I never get in the flow state. I'm always like, there's some little anxiety piece that's always like, got me thinking about something else. And so for me, this is the one activity where it's like, I'm completely like sucked into it and just nothing else matters. It's just drag for me has always been an activity that it's just about me doesn't matter if I'm fighting with somebody, if I'm like distressed about something, drag is just about me and me being authentic and me being like a fabulous version of myself. And so once I get started, it takes a while till I really feel it because for a while it's just like putting on all this foundation, you just look like a you look like a crazy person for a while, like a ghost, like your whole face is just one shade. And it's just like, Oh goodness. Like, but when you get to, I'm not sure what stage it is that I finally get to that. It's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. It's usually like once the eyes are done and I put on the lipstick, that's like, there she is. Hello, darling. It's been a while. And then especially once the wig comes on, that's just what wraps it all together. And it's just, 
every time I put on my wig, I go right to a mirror because that's the piece. I mean, obviously I'm looking in the mirror as I'm doing all this, but it's like, let's put on the wig and then do like the reveal in the mirror. And it's just like, Oh, hello, darling. And yeah, I usually turn on music. I have my like <laughs> top drag playlist that are like drag, like lip sync songs. And I just listen to that while I get ready. And I just have a gay old time. It sounds like such a joyful process and uh, yeah, something that you can just be totally present in you know, totally it's about you and, you know, I'm absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering like, what have you learned about yourself in that process? Yeah. I think part of me has learned that I'm impatient. I think when I first started out spending hours to put things together is like, I just want to draw this ion and make it nice and like make it quick. And <laughs> it takes a while to get things looking really nice. And I think for a while I was like, oh, I'm just not good at this. I'm just not good at painting or like, I just can't draw a clean line and learning that. No, you just got to stick with it. You just got to stay with it a little bit that good things take time, mm-hmm. that it's not this quick, like, boom, there she is. Like, it's going to be a process, and, and it's okay that it takes time. So I think that's probably been the biggest thing I've learned is, like, take your time. Make it good. Sandy's not just, like, something you, like, half-ass for me. Like, Sandy is meaningful. Take your time to get into her. And it sounds like not not giving up when you know when you've made a feel like you've made a mistake or you know you're you're struggling with some aspect of getting ready. Yeah, it's really a mindfulness activity for me. Yeah, for some people, mindfulness is doing like a very structured activity. This is my mindfulness, my meditation. This is what what gives me energy and kind of recenters me. It may be really stressful for others, but for me, it's a very centering activity. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that has helped you or served you in other spaces in your life. I think it's helped serve those other spaces in my life by providing a outlet from those spaces. I think it gives me something to look forward to. And because it is a space where I can be more authentic and congruent in a way that I just, I can't be. And I don't necessarily feel comfortable being in just everyday life. Like you would never catch me wearing this out in public like something this sparkly and glittery but like oh it gives me so much life and so out in the world when i have to tone it down because i don't necessarily feel safe and comfortable being as gay as i want to be 
out in the world. Um, we live in a more live in a very red state. Most of the places I've lived have been very conservative areas. And I love that because I can be a support for queer individuals there. But it's all I know it's also like a trade-off that I can't be more of my authentic self. Those pieces of me that are more effeminate and flamboyant, I'm not going to let those leave the house. By then having a space where I can do it relieves the pressure off all those other places. Because all those other places aren't me being incongruent. It's um, that society hasn't given me a reason to trust them to be congruent. But this is my area that I can really lean into that and kind of like, probably a bad phrase to use, but like get, get my fix. And I think that's how it supports the rest of my life is it just provides that space, that outlet. Having that freedom just to be totally you, totally authentic and feeling safe in that. And, you know, for, I'm wondering for students that are kind of struggling to find that space, you know, and thinking about like anyone and, you know, specifically, you know, today, I think we're going to talk a bit about queer LGBTQ individuals, especially living in a Southern, you know, more red state, even though we kind of live in a, a bit of a progressive bubble in Gainesville, you know, it's still, it's still more of a red state. So how, I don't, I don't know if there's, you know, a perfect answer to this, but how can people find that space or community to feel like I can be myself here? Yeah. I think the first thing is you have to search for it. You're not just going to stumble upon it because safe spaces are safe because they're usually protected and though, and protected places aren't going to be thing places that are easy to just stumble upon. So it's going to be hard maybe to find those spaces. So it's going to take energy. And if it's just like a, I just haven't found them. Have you looked? Because those spaces are sometimes hard to find. And it's just finding any kind of space that feels congruent for you, whether it's an activity or a hobby that you can gather around with other like-minded individuals, whether it's drag, whether it's philosophical, political, religious beliefs, just look for them. And here at UF, there are so many student groups look for them. And if you're not sure what's available, try to find somebody that might. Ask a professor or somebody in a department that may be aware of kind of what the student groups are. There's usually help available to help mm-hmm. you find those spaces. Yeah. And when you were you know talking about that, I was thinking about my own experiences too with roller derby and that space feeling like you know, there's all different kinds of people there, but it's a space where we can all feel like ourselves and, you know, accepted. And, you know, I think there's some, so sometimes a fear in there and finding that space and, and not being fully okay with who you are 
first. So I'm just thinking of someone that's, you know, maybe starting to come out to themselves, come out to others, and then, you know, reaching out to other people and, you know, finding that community for the first time can be really scary. And it's also like, I'm accepting for the first time, like, Hey, this is who I am. Yeah. It's so hard because yeah, trying to get connected with a group that, especially for queer community, when you're still coming out to yourself and coming to terms with your sexual orientation or your gender identity, like being around a lot of people that are like super confident in theirs can be really frightening. I know even for me coming from a very conservative background, very religious background, I had a lot of that that I had to work through. And when I was working through that, yeah, being a part of like a strong LGBTQ group was frightening. I didn't know if I was going to belong. In some ways, I felt like I've had to fight for a place as a queer person of faith. Um, because that's not something I ever fully ditched. And I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of different questions about will I belong? Um, because especially the queer community is so diverse. So, so incredibly diverse. And there may be some spaces where you don't feel like you belong. And that is just an unfortunate truth is that some letters of the LGBTQ plus spectrum cling to their letter and it's hard for other letters to get in. Mm. And, and sometimes there's other intersectional identity pieces, especially with gay men, which is my area, like racism and prejudice, fat phobia. Oh, so prevalent, just painfully prevalent. And for somebody that's a thick and juicy girl or somebody that's skin tone is a different color, sometimes it's hard to feel like those gay spaces are open for us. And that's, it's just really crappy. And my advice there would be don't give up. There are other spaces that will welcome you. I, I don't like spaces with a lot of gay men. Ugh, gross. Get me away from it. I love what I call queer spaces. Can you talk about what that means to you for a space to be a queer space? Yeah. Um, to me, queer is the all-encompassing umbrella word. So if, to me, a queer space is a space where gay men, lesbian women, bisexual individuals, trans individuals, all, all the other letters are coming together. People of different ethnicities, abilities, different religious faith background. Like, it's the... <laughs> The, melting like the, pot yeah <laughs> maybe not that phrase yeah i don't like melt but it's the like 
mixer mm-hmm. where everyone's just coming together and celebrating their queerness because I've often found that in gay male gay men spaces, you're celebrating gayness. You're not necessarily celebrating queerness mm. because to me, queerness is going against society being like, we're just going to live our lives. We're going to do it how we want to, what's authentic and congruent for us. And we're not going to live up to your uh, standards of what we have to do in so many different aspects of life. When I go into gay men's spaces that celebrate gayness, oh, so we're living up to all the other standards of society with the only exception being sexuality and who we're marrying and dating. Okay. Like you're basically a wasp. You're just gay. Whereas in queer spaces, like we've got tattoos, we've got Mm -hmm. hair, different color. We're going to experiment with all these different relationship styles. We're going to be more positive and accepting about our body diversity, that's accepting people and loving people for where they're at. And those queer spaces, oh, love them. Yeah, it is. It's so special to be able to find that kind of chosen family. Like, I, I know you were talking about that with Sarah before and, you know, feeling like you're in a place where you you can be accepted, but it, it can be so jarring. Like you were saying, when you have those experiences with other people that, oh, I feel like this space should be for me, but I'm not meeting this set of ideals or that this is what these people think a gay man should look like or be like or talk like, and this is who we're going to accept. So if I don't fit into that, what does that mean about me? And I think a lot of people end up questioning their worth, mm-hmm. questioning their value, their place. Because a lot of times queer people sacrifice a lot to go into queer spaces. I know I sacrificed a lot. I sacrificed, I say goodbye to a lot of my communities that I lived in growing up. I said like goodbye to like family in a way. And then if I then get to the queer space of like, oh, finally, the people that are fully going to accept me, and then they don't, what I do this for? Like, the whole point was to feel accepted and loved and cared for and just valued because of who I am. But then you get into a space that says, "Mm, you're not mask enough. Mm. You're not, you don't have enough muscles. You're not skinny enough. You're not white enough. Okay. And those spaces are antithetical. I think that's the right word. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> antithetical. Sure. Well, just if just not, I create a new word, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like to what queerness is all about. Totally. Those spaces are a betrayal to queerness it is heartbreaking to see individuals that have gone through crap 
and have that like experience to empathize and really have compassion for others who are also going through crap and to see them go, well, I got what I needed. So sucks to be you. You should understand what it's like. We're all going through this crap together. You should know what it feels like to be oppressed, marginalized, Mm -hmm. and you should be fighting your hardest that way. Nobody ever, regardless of any identity marker, Mm -hmm. you should be fighting to make sure nobody else ever has to experience that too. Absolutely. So then when you go back and say, hmm, like, and you put on your dating profile, like, no fats or femmes, bye. Like, (laughs) you've drunk the Kool-Aid. That queerness is fighting. Queerness is like, hello, society, you've drunk the Kool-Aid of what society and people with power and privilege have told you you need to be. Mm -hmm. You're not immune from toxic masculinity, racism, internalized homophobia. It's a shame. And it's a shame that those spaces exist. And, Mm -hmm. um, they're often pretty prevalent. I am mm-hmm. a drag queen and I have absolutely, oh, I have very little interest in performing in a gay bar because that is my experience of gay bars mm. or a gay club. Sure. Now I'm sure there are some out there that are very inclusive, but for me, my experience of gay clubs is um, that's where the fit, hot gay guys go to hook up or do drugs. Nobody's picking me up at a bar, and I'm okay with that. But I don't need to feel marginalized with my own community. <laughs> Not at all. And that's why I am a drag queen that has absolutely no interest in performing at a bar. This is why I spend several hours during a work day to film a podcast because that's a meaningful way to engage with drag for me. I think sometimes it feels like going to a gay bar is like the one place that you can be around a lot of other gay people or queer people. Um, But if that, you know, if that's not a comfortable space for you or, if it's not a safe space, if it's not just not something you enjoy, that can feel so alienating and just so much harder to, okay, so what, what is a space for me? And you're right. A lot of times that is the narrative mm-hmm. that if you're queer, you got to go to the gay bar. That's where you meet other queer people. And that is such a antiquated narrative that yes, when being queer was illegal yeah you had to go to a bar to meet people because you couldn't be open about it at all because you could fear losing your housing your job 
that's not maybe there's some places where that is still a reality but that is not the reality today people are out people are proud there are very vocal and visible queer organizations you don't have to go to a gay bar to meet other queer people find your local p flag go to a meeting there find other queer groups if you're on a college campus you most likely have a queer student group and hopefully you have like a queer office on campus there's queer meetup groups that go hiking or have game nights you don't have to find somebody you don't have to find your queer community at a bar and you don't have to change who you are to find that community you can be no matter who you are you can bring that into your queerness. Absolutely. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience that you said of being a queer person of faith. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Everyone needs support. And sometimes something as simple as a letter can make a difference. UFCWC's Letters of Care campaign is a unique way for Gators to connect and receive compassion, support, and understanding from a fellow Gator. Once you submit your request for a letter, it will be anonymously sent to one of the UFCWC's Aware Ambassadors, who will write you back a letter of care within five to seven business days. It's your own personal Aware Care Bear. Request your letters at counseling.ufl.edu forward slash letters. Yeah. For many people listening to this, they might be like, say what? <laughs> they exist? Yes, we are the unicorns of queerdom. Um, and it's it was hard. For a while, I thought those two groups were irreconcilable. Like, you can't be queer or a person of faith. And for the longest time, I really struggled with that because my faith is important to me. Now my faith looks very different than what it did in childhood and the faith of my family. I have a faith that is now congruent with who I am as a queer individual, but it took me a while to get there. And I actually found there's a lot of people that hold those two and that are leaning into the gray area of holding faith and queerness and and across all different religions and faith backgrounds which is really encouraging to see for me i was like oh my gosh there's other people out there thank god like whew. and sometimes it's harder to find i come from a more christian background and i don't think it's news to anyone that a lot of christianity is not friendly to queerness. Um, so sometimes that or those groups are harder to find. Um, but when I have found them, oh, so meaningful. But it is one of those areas where a lot of queer people are like, say what? You're a queer person of faith? How? And And I get that, especially because of what a lot of faith has done to queer people, especially Christianity in the United States. Like I get that. 
I get when people's defensive is they're like, See, you're gonna have to tell me more about that, but I'm a little like hesitant. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, and I'll have to be honest, like I am one of those people that's been hurt by Christianity or just feel like who I am is wrong or not okay. So it's, it's hard for me to reconcile those things. I hear that. It was really hard for me to reconcile both of those. And I'm still in process with it. There's things that I'm not even fully sure about. And I think for a lot of people that are like, I don't get it. Is that just because the God hates gays voice is the loudest one out there? doesn't mean it's the only one or the right one that there are other people who are saying something very different. And I'd encourage people to look for those voices and for people that that's not important. That's okay. You don't need to keep it just because you grew up with it and it's important to your family. doesn't mean it needs to be important to you. I respect people that have said, yep, nope, can't do that anymore. I wish I could have done that. That would have made things so much easier. So much easier. But I couldn't. I imagine for a lot of people listening, it's comforting to know that there is the option, though, that you can, you know, choose to reject this thing or you know if you want it to be a part of your life that that can be an option too and there's other people that feel the same way yeah it's definitely an option which i know goes against like a major narrative and a very common narrative of like you can't because the big narrative is it's like the gays versus the christians and yeah that happens a lot, but that's not all that happens. There's other voices. I'm wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about what are just some things that you love about being queer? Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> things I love about being queer. I love how it really changed my mindset towards a lot of things. I question everything now. Like now that I've worked through this and like, I'm okay with being queer. I'm like, okay, let's think about relationships. Why does it just have to be monogamy? Why? Who said, why, why is that the only thing who said cursing has to be wrong and unprofessional and vulgar? Like who said tattoos have to be unprofessional? Mm -hmm. Like, why does, why does that make, because there's so much in our lives that we go through and we're just taught you wear a suit to be professional. If you go to an interview, you don't get a tattoo because it won't get you a job. Like we learn all these stupid things that I think being queer has told me like question it. Why do we do this? And really advocating for more authentic living because to me that's so inauthentic 
when I used to wear my nice like button up shirts and <laughs> that would be tucked in and like, but that was what the nice boy, the nice Christian boy was supposed to do. And when I finally started questioning that being like, yeah, why, why is that the way you're supposed to dress? Why do you have to like, what's wrong with a tattoo? Mm -hmm. My graduate training was in Portland, Oregon, which I loved because that is like the capital of saying F it, we're going to do what we want. And it was so nice to see professionals, lawyers, doctors, nurses with like neck tattoos and piercings. And I was like, cool. You're just being you. It says nothing about who you are as a professional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. It's just your way of expressing yourselves. And so it's all those things that being queer has told me, like, question the status quo. Yeah, I, I think that we grow up with this idea of what it means to be a professional or what it means to be just a good person in society and these benchmarks and, you know, knowing that, hey, I can actually dress in a way, talk in a way, live in a way that is authentic to me. And that doesn't mean I'm less competent of a person or less professional or less moral. Yeah. But that's the way society tells us to live. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay. And I love that queerness just pushes the box. What's outside the box. Let's always think outside the box. And that's, I think the greatest gift that my queerness has given me. I think also the thing I really love is it's given me the freedom to just be me. I can be my fabulous self, which is what I'm doing now without a fear or like a care for what other people think. I think I look amazing right now. A lot of people would say like, Oh, that's tacky. That's whatever. I love it. Like, I love this uh, sequined, like, jacket mm-hmm. thing. Like, I love these sparkly, like, gaudy as all hell. But, like, oh, I can just be me. I can be sparkly and gay as I want to be. And that's so much fun. Or I feel like people that haven't given themselves that permission to do, I'm like, oh, God. Do you really enjoy that? Right. Like life just seems so bland, dull and blase. I'm like, no, like I need some spice to my life. Like if I can't have bright pastel colors or sparkly things, like what's the purpose? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I love that. (laughs) and um for those of you listening to the podcast not watching the video um sandy is looking fabulous (laughs) today it is true it is true i tried (laughs) 
And I think being able to just be who you are also just allows you to really connect with others on this other level. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When I first came out as gay, like fully coming out for me was a whole long process um, with having to reconcile faith and theology issues with the queerness. But when I finally came out as like, I'm gay and I love it and I'm here for it. I had, it was during my graduate program and I had friends that after I came out, were like, you seem different in class today because the person they had seen the week before had a nice button up shirt. I was sitting like, cause you, you gotta be straight. So straight, like literally mm. physically straight for men, mm -hmm. like sitting upright. You don't move. You're very emotion expressionless. Like I'm here. I'm listening. Dead eyes. Yes. <laughs> and, and once I came out, I was like, I can slump in my chair and I can like jut my hip out to the side. Like, does that look a little gay? Does it look a little more flamboyant? I can cross my legs and not in like the manly way, but like, hmm. I was just different. The permission to be me was like, people are like, oh, I love interacting with this. Like you are so different than you were before you came out and people were drawn to it. People today are drawn to it. They're like, oh, you're just, I don't know what they say, but people like it. People love this. And it's like, yeah, because joy, oh, contagious, mm -hmm. contagious. It's hard for people to see that and go. I don't want it. Yeah. And chances are, if they're doing that, they've got their own like mess of issues they're struggling with. Like, because most people, when they see authentic, congruent joy, I'll have what she's having. Because why wouldn't you? You feel so much more like comfortable in your own body and yourself. Mm. And it just brings this level of self confidence that people are drawn to. Yeah. Everybody wants to be authentic. I think I would assume, I would assume so that deep down, everybody would want to be, or say they want to be authentic, but being authentic and congruent is hard. Mm -hmm. So hard. And most people struggle to be truly authentic and congruent. So I think when they see somebody else being authentic and congruent, it's like, first off, there's hope. Like, oh, you can do that. Mm -hmm. And also like, yeah, I'll have some of that. Like, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> it's like, oh, like in those movies where like, or a TV show where like a queer person hasn't come out yet, but they get around another queer person. They're kind of like, inching towards them mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. also not like fully engaging but it's like oh yeah i'm gonna talk with my really conservative like non-affirming friends but like i see you 
but I'm going to inch closer to this queer person because like, that's what I view it as. Like people are just like, even if they don't want to admit it, like I'm just kind of like inch over a little bit and like, Oh, did they say I was looking? No. Okay. And just want to get a taste of it. It is good shit. <sighs> it is. Well, I feel like this might be a good place to wrap up for today. Is there anything else that you, you know, wanted to share, wanted to say? I think for anybody that's still following this it's made it to the end congrats um but also just i encourage you to try find little ways to be yourself like i said congruent congruence and authenticity is hard and sometimes it's hard to like go full out into it but find a little piece that feels congruent for you maybe it's for some guy trying just a little bit of makeup just a slight eyeliner or something like that maybe it's trying a different style of clothing maybe it's getting one piercing it could be something so small find something like test the waters a little bit like just try something out that's what I would encourage everyone to do. If you're struggling to be authentic and you're like, especially queer individuals that are listening, if you're like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't even know where to start. Find something small. Maybe it's putting on a heel. Maybe it's, I don't know, wearing a dress, wearing pants. I guess it depends on where you're coming from. but. Maybe it's watching a movie with a queer character. Like just find some little way that you can dip your toes in the water. And it might take some practice to feel like what, what's a good fit for me. Absolutely. I didn't come to drag right away after coming out. It took me a while to come to finally get to a place. I was like, actually, that might be me. And let's try this on. Like, there's so many things that you can try on. That's the whole point of drag. Find something that works for you. Find a way that you want to express yourself. And that's going to be unique to everybody. Because we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Find your way to express yourself. Uh, cue RuPaul music. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Sandy. You're so generous with everything you shared today. Um, and I, it just brought me so much joy being able to sit with you. Thank you for having me chelsea this was so much fun it was so much fun it was I a juicy conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes uh, well thank you so much for having me thanks for listening you can find cwc talks on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever podcasts are found please leave us a rating and review us 
Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.